Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, There are so many people that are just done with 2016, and I don't know if you guys saw just like the end of the year, and I didn't look the last day and a half, but there were just celebrities that were just dropping like flies. I'm not trying to be callous about it, but I don't know, like they were all at the same party, drank the same water, all went home and one by one. They were just uh, passing. That alone, I mean, if you take away the natural disasters that happened, the mass shootings, the terrorist attacks, uh, all the craziness, uh, people were just ready to move on from 2016. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started this series walking through the book of Malachi, uh, and we started saying that God was reaching out to his people, acknowledging that they wanted to move on to something better. You know, kind of like most of us are like ready to move on to something better in 2017. And God acknowledged that the people in Israel uh, were in a tough space, and so he sent Malachi uh, to reveal this burden to them. Uh, in most of your Bibles, it says this oracle, but their oracle, which literally means a burden, wasn't the burden of Malachi. It was the burden that God had. Burden literally meaning something he He started addressing his people and he started talking to them about first their issues, how they were getting lazy in their relationship with him, lackadaisical. They were giving him gifts that were worthless. They were giving him uh, things that didn't matter. They were turning away from his ways and his laws and his decrees and they were uh, just seeking other things. And then Uh, We talked about how God said, hey, you guys need to return to me. And we looked at uh, that passage in Malachi. Some of you have read it that most people look at as talking about tithing. And it's not specifically talking about tithing. It's actually, and when we read it, God said, hey, uh, you guys need to return to me. And then God said, but you ask, how do we return to you? And he said, you return to me by stop robbing me with your tithes and offerings, by either cheaping out on them or bringing useless or worthless tithes and offerings. It wasn't specifically about tithing. It was more about, here's how you guys can return to me. Start assigning value to the things that you give to me. Uh, And then he talked about the judgment uh, that was coming on all the liars and cheaters because the people were asking, hey, where's the justice? How come the rich are getting richer? And it's not, nothing wrong with the rich getting richer but the rich who are getting richer are doing it illegally and off the backs of the poor and and all this kind of stuff. And the poor are getting poorer and people are being overlooked. Same kind of things that we ask. And God said that judgment is coming on all those people. And then he started talking about their hope and this new day that was coming. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Malachi, chapter 4. And we're going to finish off this book. And we're kind of going to jump into, from finishing off this book, into a new book in a series that we're going to start Uh, next week. So in Malachi chapter 4, which is in the uh, last part, last book of the Old Testament, and if you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere under your chair, left, right, somewhere around you. In Malachi chapter 4, this is what God says, surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. And that phrase day doesn't specifically mean a day, like on the Monday, on this year, or whatever. uh, It's often used to say this day or this season or this new era, uh, a lot of um, church theologians kind of look at 
some of those terms where it uses day as what they call uh, not just days or season, but church errors. Like we're in a church error and they look at old errors, but it's talking about a specific time period where a series of events will happen that we're going to look at. He says, surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. And he's not specifically talking about people going to hell and burning. He says, all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. And then verse 4, he says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. And he's telling them again, there's going to be this day or this season or this era uh, where these things occur. And uh, the first thing he tells them is that on this day that there's going to be this burning. And some theologians say that burning refers to, you know, when Israel... Uh, Jerusalem burned in 70 AD, which, okay, but it doesn't really make sense because it has nothing to do with the rest of the passage. And, and personally, if you look through, and we're going to, uh, the rest of what he's connecting this with, it's not so much about a specific day where, you know, Jerusalem did burn down in a single day uh, when Rome came in and trashed everything and burnt it to the ground. But it's more of a day that ties to a season or an era, and I think he's talking about when Jesus Christ comes. Not so much the day that he showed up, like when he showed up and got baptized, or a specific day during his ministry, but that season or that era, that era, era, time period, better word, when Jesus Christ shows up. Because in that time period, uh, even Jesus said, hey, if I hadn't shown up, uh, none of you would be guilty of sin, but because I'm here and you're denying me and you're rejecting me, you're guilty. And he contrasts the burning with the, what he calls the, um, wow, well, not working right, the trampling of the wicked. And yes, there is a future, future end times day when we're supposed to trample over the wicked, but he ties it to this coming of Christ. Because then, all of those people then who accepted Jesus Christ, and now when we accept Jesus Christ, we are immediately victorious, and we become conquerors. And Paul tells the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, but thanks to God who gives us the victory and making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we're conquerors, because we have the victory, therefore... My beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always bounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It's never wasted or to no purpose. See, the moment that we accept Jesus Christ, and that became possible when he showed up in Israel, and when they accepted him, those who followed him, his apostles, his disciples, and others, when we accept him, we become victorious. We become conquerors. Conquerors don't just win. If you're in a marathon and you win by this much, or if you ever see a horse who wins by a nose, those aren't conquerors. They won. 
conquerors are the ones who trample over and decimate and obliterate their enemies. And that ties into what God was saying to Malachi. Hey, in that day through Jesus Christ, you can be victorious. You'll be conquerors. You'll trample over the wicked, over your enemies, over your struggles, over your trials. Now go back to Malachi, and this is what else he says in chapter 4. He, he ends it this way. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. God said this day, whatever day he's talking about, this day is so important that I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah, who at this time had already passed. He had already died. This is, uh, I want to say, like at least 100 years after Elijah. And God says, but I'm going to send you a messenger so that you know that you don't miss this day. This day is important. This day is going to make you victorious. This day or this season or this era, you have got to grab hold of this. And then we read in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, tells us this. Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 12, it says, truly, this is Jesus talking, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And one of the messages that Jesus brought to Israel and to humanity is that the kingdom of God is available right now. Not at some future point, not in some future years, not in in the end times, but right now. The only thing that he talked about almost more than that, and probably just a little bit less, was money. Not just money, but generosity, giving, understanding what's truly treasureful. But the thing that he talked about that most, every single time he talked, this message came out, is that the kingdom of heaven is available to everyone who was listening to him and those of us who come after right now. He says, no one is greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And what he was saying was, from the days of John the Baptist, because this is who God was talking about through Malachi, that John the Baptist was going to come, and from that point on, even though Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is available now, here's how you get it through me. There were people saying, I don't want to go through you. I want to get it my own way. I want to get it through the law. I want to get it by following this. I want to give it by giving money. I want to get it my own way. And then he finishes this particular passage with this. For all the prophets and the law, which is the entirety of the Old Testament, prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah, the one that God mentioned through Malachi, he is the Elijah who is to come. And then he says this this statement that he says throughout his message, every time he's talking, you can almost hear him say this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Basically saying, I know it may be confusing, but if you really want to listen, if you really want to know what I'm saying, pay attention. And a lot of people say, well, the Bible is so confusing. I don't understand what God was talking about. And he's talking about there's going to be an Elijah to come. And then Jesus says, yeah, John the Baptist was the Elijah who came. If John the Baptist was the Elijah who came before that day, then Jesus is saying, 
this is that day, that time where you can become victorious, that time where the kingdom of heaven is available right now. Now, here's, here's the thing that's, that's really interesting because a lot of people ask, so why was that day or that season or that era that he was talking about so important? And it wasn't just because God was sending someone. It wasn't just because because God throughout the entire, if you look from uh, Genesis through Malachi, over and over, God would send people. He'd send angels. He'd send a prophet. He'd raise up kings. He'd raise up prophets. He'd raise up shepherds. He'd raise up warriors. He'd send people over and over and over for literally thousands of years. God was sending people to go tell people, hey, you can have access to me right now. And it wasn't working, and humanity wasn't getting it. This day was different because rather than sending people, God was coming in the flesh. So turn to the book of John. Turn just a couple of chapters to the right, to the Gospel of John. Uh, Turn one or two pages, you'll hit Matthew, and then turn after that to Mark, and then Luke, and then the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John is, uh, chronologically, it's in the right pace because it's the last gospel that was written. And John wrote it probably sometime between 70 to 90 AD, which a lot of the other ones were written first. And most theologians agree that John wrote this to say, hey, those gospels, they capture a lot. They're true, but there's some stuff that they're missing. So where they start off, if you look through them with, you know, the 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 birth... (laughs) of Jesus Christ and, and all those who preceded him, John starts, he starts his a little bit different. And in chapter 1, verse 1, this is what he says, in the beginning was the Word. All right, so John takes this thing and says, there was this thing, we're just going to call it the Word. The word he used was a, a Greek word meaning logos, which literally means what the entity or existence of a thing or a person. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So whatever that Word was, He's saying that word was with God in the beginning. And then he says, and that word was God. So he says, hey, in the beginning was this thing called the word. That word was with God in the very beginning, although in Genesis God says he was in the beginning. And then John says, hey, this thing that was with God in the beginning, this thing, this word was God. And then to avoid any confusion that anyone might have on who this word is or what this word is, he assigns that word a personal pronoun. He's no longer calling it the word. He says he, in referring to this word, was with God in the beginning. And then he says through him, this word, whoever he is, all things were made. Everything that was made. Everything in the universe. And John is writing to both Jews and new Christians who were Gentiles. But he's using a lot of Jewish terminology. Because to the Jewish mindset, the the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those were things that they started learning in the childhood where we're learning Dr. Seuss. And then we start reading, you know, older books, whether they call them reader books. They start learning Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy in the Jewish culture. So for them to hear in the beginning, their mindset would immediately go back to Genesis. We're talking about God. To hear that he created all things, their mind would immediately go back to Genesis. We're talking about God. 
And John says, yeah, that's this word that we're talking about. And he says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And again, the Jewish mind would have been like, hey, life came from God. He breathed life into Adam. And John is saying, yeah, that life came from the word. He says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then he goes on, and later in the chapter, he says that word was Jesus Christ. And so what John does is he makes it clear. He says to everyone, hey, the Messiah was coming, and every, every Jewish person would have understood who the Messiah was because that's who they were expecting God to send. In Malachi's time, that's who they would have been looking for, the Messiah. And John says, yeah, the Messiah was coming. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. God was coming. That's why this day is more important than any other day, because it's not just the day when someone was coming. It's the day when God was coming. And the entirety of the book of Malachi, the burden that God had to get off his chest was, hey, hold on, I'm coming. I'm not going to send someone else. I want you to hold on. This is why that day is so important, because God was telling his people, I'm coming, just hold on. And, and we may say, well, that's hard to identify with, but if anyone, you don't have to raise your hand, had a rough 2016 where you were like, oh my gosh, I really wish God would just show up and handle this, you know what it's like to be frustrated to be, to be anxious about a situation. Uh, for those of you who have been paying attention on Facebook, uh, one of the girls that used to go to our, our, our youth group off and on, uh, her sister's been in the hospital. And, and what amazed me, I, I don't know where she is with her relationship with God right now, but on most of her posts, because I've seen other people who have family members in the hospital, and they're like, hey, I want you guys to know that my so-and-so is in the hospital. I hope you can send well wishes. I hope you can, you know help us out financially. I hope you can do this. Her only thing was we need people praying. We need God to show up. That was her only thing in almost every single post. I want people to pray. I want people on their knees. I want people begging God to help my sister. I want God to bring her home. I want God to show up. And that's the message that God was bringing to his people. I know you're frustrated. I know you've got financial issues. I know you've got medical issues. I know you've got family members that are in the hospital or maybe they're not in a good place or maybe they're hooked on heroin or cocaine or meth or whatever, but just hold on. God is coming. God's gonna show up. And just like many of us are waiting for a new year, a new era, a new season, we wanna be done with 216. 2016. We want to just move into 2017 uh, in a better place, uh, knowing that, hey, things are going to be okay. The government's going to be okay. Our finances are going to be okay. Our jobs are going to be okay. Any new ventures we're trying are going to be okay. Our relationships are going to be okay. Our marriages are going to be okay. God is saying, just hold on. I'm coming. And the beautiful thing is, the entirety of the gospel of John is about God showing up, the entire book. At the end, let me jump to the end of the Gospel of John. This is the way that John ends it. John chapter 20, 
verse 30 to 31. He says, there are many other signs. This is the Amplified Version. Many other signs and miracles which Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, meaning these signs and miracles and wonderful things that God performed, they are recorded in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that through believing and cleaving to and trusting and relying upon him, you may have life through and in his name, through who he is. He says, the only reason I'm writing this book, the only reason I recorded all these, the only reason I documented all these, the Gospel of Matthew, good stuff, go read it. Gospel of Mark, good stuff, go read it. The Apostle Peter uh, is the one who really helped kind of write it, although Mark scripted it, go read it. The Gospel of Luke, he's a doctor, he's a like archaeologist type guy, he went and researched everything, go read it. But John said, I am going to write this book so that you would know that God showed up and that you would trust in him and believe in him and have new life through him. John said, I want you to know that God showed up. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do as, as we close. Uh, every time, you know, many of you guys are going to make New Year's resolutions, uh, but instead of resolutions, I'm going to ask that we make a new, very simple promise that hopefully no one has any difficulty in keeping, and that's this, that we are going to believe and trust God, His will, his word, and his way every single day. Not because we have some kind of magical thing, not because we've, we've, we've seen or read something that no one else has read, just because we believe what God's word said, that he showed up. That he was born as a baby, that we celebrate Christmas because of it, that he lived and walked the earth suffering the same things that we did, Maybe he didn't have friends talking bad about him on Facebook, but I'm sure he had friends talking about him. Maybe he didn't have relatives that refused to come to his parties or show up at his house because of differences, but it's documented in the Gospels where his relatives thought he was psycho, they thought he was crazy, they tried to have him committed. Maybe he didn't have you know, relationships that all went foul and people trying to backstab him, but he did have one guy turn him into the cops and try to have him killed. Maybe he didn't have the exact same struggles that we did, but he lived and walked this earth with the same type of people that we do, going through the same type of issues. And then he looked and said, I'm still going to give my life for those people. And if we believe that, then maybe we can believe and trust him, his will, his word, and his way every single day. Not just on the days when they announce, hey, you're the one who got the promotion, but on the days when they announce, you're the one that we have to lay off. Not just on the days when you come home and the marriage is going great and, and everything's rosy and you're off on vacation, but the days when you come home and you just can't muster the strength to say one word to each other because you're so angry or frustrated. Not just on the days when the kids are doing great in school some of us, those days are very few and far between. But on the days when the kids are sitting next to you in front of the principal and they're trying to tell you, here's how long they're suspended for. And not just on the days when the kids are no longer kids, they're adults who are out on their own and they're working great and you're looking forward to visiting them. 
but on the days when they won't answer your calls or your text, or you get a call or text about them and something they've done. Every single day, putting our trust and our faith in God because he showed up. Saying, God, we're going to put our life in your hands. We're going to submit our life to you. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they do, uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to just close out with a song of praise to God. God, we just pray. That we would, as we said, put our faith and our trust in you, in your word, trust your will, and trust your way every single day. We pray that we would believe uh, what what you wrote and, and the burden that you released to the prophet Malachi that, hey, you want your people to hold on and trust that you will show up. And as we sit on this side of history, we pray that we have the strength to understand and perceive that you did show up. And we pray that every single day in this new year, that we will believe and live our lives in such a way that signifies that we know that you did show up. God, we want to submit our life to you, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we have the opportunity to sit and read your word, but during the good times, the bad times, the rough times, the hard times, during the times when the country is in upheaval, whether it be over finances or racism or or political battles, as well as the times when the country draws together. But every single day, in every single way, Lord, allow us to put our faith and our trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.